Hey, you've probably heard me talk about the fact that I wanted to bring somebody in to talk to the ladies. Because uh, it's okay for me to talk to the guys, but talking to the ladies was something I did not want to touch. So I was really happy when Shanti Feldhahn agreed to come and, and speak this weekend. Uh, she's been here before, and I know her stuff is awesome. And I also know that she's been doing even more work. So um, this research thing has been fascinating to me. The new book that she's got, Good News About Marriage, is all about how we are getting bad information about Christian marriage. And she's going to talk about that as well. But the stuff that was really fascinating was um, the fact that she did all this work for men only, for women only. She wrote these books based on the fact that we need to understand, you know, who we are so that we can relate to this other person. But she did it not on theory. She did it based on research. She's a Harvard-trained research analyst, um, worked on Wall Street, Capitol Hill, uh, took her gifts to doing this. And uh, I just, I'm excited to have her here. I don't need to talk much more about her because she's going to do that herself. I just want you to welcome Shanti Feldhan. Good morning. It is great to be here with you. Um, I really appreciated that introduction. I'm glad to be back here after several years um, and have a chance to share with you since, you know, my job, Pastor Tim, has already shared about what men need to know about women. My job is to talk to the women what the women need to know about the guys. And, um, you know, I'm a social researcher, as Pastor Tim said. Um, I used to work on Wall Street, and now I'm using that kind of analytical background in a totally different way. And it means that I have the best opening line in the world when I meet people at parties. Um, or you know how you're sitting next to the person on the airplane and you have that, what do you do, what do you do kind of conversation, you know? And often I'm sitting next to a guy, and, um, and he says, so what do you do? And I say, I help women understand men. And it's really funny because the reactions that I get, the, the first reaction is usually this, what are you going to tell them about us? <laughs> I mean, seriously, there's actually a little bit of alarm there. But sometimes I also get this reaction, and I think probably the women in the room have heard this from men in their life as well. Sometimes when I say, I help women understand men, the guy goes, <laughs> we're really not that complicated. <laughs> Okay, so here's a question for the women here. How many of you all have heard a guy say that? You know, say, we're really simple, we're really not that complicated, right? Well, here's what I've realized in all these years of research. It's not true, actually. There is so much more with men. There is so much more depth and vulnerability going on underneath the surface. And there's all these things they're thinking and feeling, and they don't necessarily know how to articulate. And, and we don't know that they're, they're thinking this way. We don't know they're feeling this way. And so it's affecting us every day in our relationship, and we don't necessarily understand it. And that's some of what we need to, to cover today. Um, you know, there's, there's actually a scripture that perfectly captures to me why this matters so much. If you have your Bible, turn to Proverb 20, Proverbs 24 real quickly or look on your phone. There's a little scripture in Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4, and it says this. It says, by wisdom a house is built, through understanding it is established. Okay, now stop there for just a second. Solomon, who wrote Proverbs, is painting this picture of somebody laying the foundation of a, of a house and building up and framing it up. And so you have the house. By wisdom a house is built, through understanding it's established. But 
what's in the house? Is it delight? Is it enjoyment? Is it peace? Is it this sense of absolute abundance in this life together? Or is it um, discord? Is it confusion? Is it heartache? Is it anger? Is it loneliness and hurt? So move on to the next verse. By wisdom a house is built, through understanding it is established, through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and precious treasures. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with joy and delight and abundance and this sense of peace and that everything's just clicking through knowledge. Now, here's why that is so important, because all of us want that kind of a home. And, and by the way, this understanding of men, I should say right up front, this understanding isn't just for those of us who happen to be married. This is very important for us to understand as women in general. I mean, with, if you're, maybe you're dating or you want to be dating. How many of the women have a son in here. How many of you have sons? Yeah. And, and you work with men. Men are everywhere. <laughs> it's really important to understand this. Um, but, you know, talking about the home life and talking about marriage and this, this desire for this abundance, here's what I realized as I started doing all of these studies about men and then eventually women and, and so on, is that we have all our lives, without realizing it, built up these ideas about how men think, or if you're a guy, about how women think. We've built up all these ideas from the time that we're little. I mean, ladies in here, you know, you remember, you're in elementary school, and a guy comes over and pulls your hair and runs away, and you're like, boys are so weird. Why did he do that? And so, of course, to figure out why he did that, you go talk to your girlfriends, because, of course, your girlfriends know why a guy would do that, of course. And so you, you, you talk about it, and you think, oh, this is why he did that. And maybe without realizing it, you've just clicked something else into your mental database about how men think, how they're wired, why they do certain things. And our whole life, we do that right up until and continuing on, even once we get married. And what I need to tell you is that some of those assumptions, some of those ideas that we have about how men think, how they're wired, some of those ideas are wrong. And actually, not just a little wrong, in some cases, a lot wrong. Now, not everything, obviously, but there's some pretty big ideas that on top of these assumptions that maybe are somewhat wrong, we've built these habits in how we relate to them. And so we have to actually start over in again, in some cases, and rewind and go all the way back to the beginning and build up this knowledge that will fill our house, our home, our life together with these rare and precious treasures instead of the strife and the heartache and the discord that none of us really wants to be there. And so that's what's so important. Now, just so you know, this whole conversation is, is, like Pastor Tim said, this is based on research, years of research. And I didn't intend to become a social researcher, helping men understand women, women understand men, and, and the process of relationships. But that's what I've become over the years. And so you need to know that what I'm going to bring you, it's not my opinion, 
it's based on these, it's about 12 years, and I think we're about 13,000 men and women that I've interviewed and surveyed over the years, and including seven nationally representative surveys to be able to bring this to you and say, this is pretty rigorous. Now, it also means, by the way, it's important to say this, that I'm gonna be making some generalizations. And there are always exceptions, right? I mean, by definition, if 75% of men said one way, 25% didn't, right? Everybody's an individual. The key is to listen to some of this and go, huh, you know, wow, that probably seems like that applies to my husband or my boyfriend or, or whatever the relationship is. So just so you know, that's important as we get going. Okay, so first thing that you need to know about understanding men, um, and I know this is gonna be this huge shock for everybody in the room, but this is the biggest deal, which is that men and women are different. I know that's a shock to everybody in the room, but it's important to get that on the table because we think we know that men and women are different, we don't realize just how big of a deal this is. Let me give you an example of, of when I saw this the most clearly. In addition to the studies that I did to help women understand men, which became my book for women only, and to help men understand women, I've done the teenage versions of these to help you know, young people learn these things early so they don't build those wrong assumptions from the beginning. And I also did this book called For Parents Only, which was one of the first times that I wasn't looking at gender stuff. And I was interviewing guys and girls at the same time. And I was seeing these differences just shine out like a spotlight. There was one series of nights where I was doing focus groups of guys and girls on consecutive nights. And the guys actually, I tended to interview the older teenagers and like college age students because they were better able to articulate certain things. And so there was this one night that I had a group of guys in this room and the next night would be this group of girls about you know young college age. And then we were in a, see if you can picture this, we were in one of those conference rooms where you have the big conference table and on each wall was one of those whiteboards that has those doors that close. You know what I'm talking about? So picture this, we're in this room, I open this whiteboard, these whiteboard doors, and I talk to these guys who are largely you know, 16, 17 and into early college years. And I said, you know, I really need your help understanding, and we, we're gonna chart what is it that's your primary like fears and, and insecurities? You know, let's write down on the board what, what hurts your feelings. Not that a teenage guy is ever going to say, this hurts my feelings, right? Okay, they're not going to put it that way, but what feels bad? And what is it that we need to put on the board that you most need? What lights you up? What feels great? And so we spent all evening on it. We spent a couple of hours on it. And we got it just right. Everything was just perfect. And then it was like, oh my gosh, we're running out of time. The girls are going to come in here tomorrow night and I don't have time to erase this thing. Let's just close the doors. So the next night we have this group of teenage girls and I open these doors and I say, okay, let's start talking about what your fears and your needs are as girls. And this, <laughs> this one young woman interrupts me. She raises her hand and she says, excuse me, I object to this language. I'm like, okay. And she says, it's not our fears and our needs as girls. I mean, we're all just people. And we all have the same fears and needs as people. 
And I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, let's talk about what your fears and your needs are as people, <laughs> you know. So we spent a couple hours on it. We got it all right. They wrote every, you know, told me what to write down. At the end of the night, I said, you know, the guys were in the same room last night. Do you want to see what they said? And of course, this room full of teenage girls is like, yeah, yeah, you know. So I opened these doors and I stood back and I watched as their faces were like, and they, their mouths were dropping open literally because there was not one word the same. Not one. Except for maybe and. <laughs> not one. See, we're so different. God has created us so differently that for girls and later as women, the surveys I've done have been age um, 15 to 75, and the numbers are pretty consistent throughout. For girls and later as women, our concern, our worry, our insecurity, our question is, is, can be verbalized like, am I lovable? Am I beautiful? Am I special? Am I worthy of being loved for who I am on the inside? And so we need to feel loved and cherished and adored, right? For the guys and later as men, they're like, <laughs> I mean, feeling loved is nice and everything, but it didn't make it on the board. <laughs> for, for the guys, their question is totally different. The guy's question is, am I able? Am I adequate? Am I any good at what I do on the outside? Totally different. Am I worthy of being loved for who I am on the inside? Am I any good at what I do on the outside? And so the needs that come out of that question are totally different. Because ladies, you need to know, the heart cry of a man is one thing. Just one thing. It's this question, do I measure up? And he's looking to the people around him for the answer to that question. He really doubts himself in ways that you have no idea how much he doubts himself. And so he's looking for signals and for clues. And so his needs are completely different in, in many ways. Now, obviously, we all have many similar needs when you get down into sort of secondary needs and that kind of thing. But in terms of what's most important, we women, we want to feel loved and cherished and adored and that's what lights us up and I don't know about you but we kind of think for women we kind of think that's kind of the whole point of having the relationship to begin with like if you're not going to feel loved what's the point and it's a huge surprise to find out that for men that's actually not the point at all and that most men on my survey said you know if they had to make a choice and now, a lot of times, I mean, they wouldn't want to have to make this choice. But if they had to, they said that they would actually choose to give up feeling that their wife or their girlfriend loved them if they could just feel that she respected them. And I'm seeing a few blank, blank faces, so I'm going to say that one more time. And I'm going to put this in personal terms, ladies, if you don't mind. What this means is that your husband, your boyfriend, if he's like most other men and he had to make a choice, 
he would actually choose to give up feeling that you love him. If he could just feel that you trust him and you believe in him and you admire him and you appreciate him. And all of those things are much more important to the average guy even than feeling that you love him. That's a huge difference between men and women. And it gets us women into so much trouble because we women are really good at showing love. Right? I mean, I don't know about you, but it just comes out of me. I mean, I just say, naturally say, I love you. But at the same time, without realizing it, we can do all these loving things, but without knowing this, at the same time, we can be maybe criticizing him a lot. Or maybe telling him what to do all the time. I'm sure no other women in here have that issue, <laughs> except for me. Um, or, you know, or like little things, like you're out to dinner with, you know, his buddies and maybe the kitchen sink broke and he says, you know, I need to figure out how to fix it. And you joke and you say, you've never been able to fix anything in your life. And you see him go, <laughs> and you're like, why did that make you so upset? You know, and you don't realize that you've been sending this message that says, no, you're not able no, you're not adequate. No, you're no good at what you do on the outside. As a matter of fact, you're inadequate. And for a guy, we don't know this, but for a guy, that's his most painful feeling. And you know, he actually, he won't feel loved. And we don't know this. Now, here's why I think this matters, again, so much if we want to fill our home with those precious treasures rather than the stinky ones, <laughs> is, is for us to realize, you know, the problem isn't usually that we don't have the feelings. I mean, most of us, I think in this room, we generally, as women, most of us here probably do respect our man. We do trust him, we do appreciate him. Or at least we did <laughs> before life got in the way, but I think most of us generally do. So the problem isn't that we don't feel it, the problem is that we have no idea that all day long we're doing and saying these things that send him the message that we don't without ever intending to. Like, let me give you an example because I always learn better from examples. So I was talking to this guy on the airplane. Um, I always feel bad for the man trapped next to me on the airplane for two hours because it's like, ooh, good data, you know, like an anonymous guy. <laughs> they, they talk more when it's completely anonymous. <laughs> But I was, I was flying back, I was actually getting ready to record our, our DVDs that go with the books, and, and I ended up putting this story in the DVD because it was such a simple, seemingly little example of just the day-to-dayness of this. And, and I, you know, he said, what do you do? I said, I help women understand men, ha, ha, ha. And, um, and it was interesting, as we started talking, this guy, he just looked defeated. His shoulders just were slumping, and I just can't use any other word. He just looked defeated, and he said a phrase that I had heard many times from my husband. Maybe some of you have heard, and I had no clue what my husband was talking about until I started understanding this about men. He said, you know, I love my wife, but nothing I do is ever good enough for her. Ever heard that one, ladies? And I had no idea what he meant before. Now, finally, I kind of got it. And I said, can you give me an example? And he said, yeah, just last night, 
my wife went out with some colleagues. She had a meeting in the evening, and, you know, we'd cooked dinner, and the kids were, it was a mess, and, and she said, hey, you know, honey, would you be willing to clean the kitchen and do the dishes, you know, while I'm out of my meeting? And and he said, sure, you know, no problem. So she apparently, she comes in for her, from her meeting, and he says, she kisses me on the cheek and looks over my shoulder at the kitchen and goes, <laughs> and she goes and grabs a sponge and starts re-cleaning all the countertops. And he said, it just kills me. Nothing I do is ever good enough for her. Now, some of you women, I can see in your faces, are having the same private internal thought that I did the first few dozen times I heard this. And that private internal thought that you would never voice out loud, basically, when you hear that story, it goes something like this. It says, oh, grow up. <laughs> Like, that shouldn't bother you. That is no big deal. You're so oversensitive, right? So, and I used to think that too. And then I heard this a few dozen times at the beginning, and I finally realized it clicked. I'm saying it shouldn't bother you because it wouldn't bother me. He's not me. He's wired very differently by a God who knew what he was doing. And so learning some of this is one of those things, once we realize it's legitimate, and that's one of the other hurdles that we women have to climb sometimes, is realizing the way that God wired men to relate is just as legitimate as how he wired us to relate. So once we realize that, we have to sort of rethink, how can I avoid sending that signal that I didn't mean to send that was triggering this concern that he has. Because remember, let's go all the way back to the whiteboard. His secret question, that guy sitting next to me on the airplane, and maybe the guy sitting next to you here, his secret question is, do I measure up? Am I any good at what I do on the outside? And so by re-cleaning all the countertops, to her it's just this little thing, but he's hearing what you did wasn't good enough. You failed. And we would never intend to send that signal. So I asked the guy, what, what could she have done differently? What would have made a difference? He said, it would have made all the difference entirely if she just would have said, you know, thank you for being willing to clean the kitchen while I was out with my friends. I mean, he said, if I missed the crumbs under the toaster, she can always clean it later when I'm not looking. <laughs> It makes a big difference. Okay, so now you might be wondering, some of the same thing that I was wondering as I started looking into this a little bit more, is okay, part of it is avoiding sending the negative signal, the disrespect signal, the I don't appreciate you, you're not good enough signal that we didn't mean to send. So that's important. But how can you send the positive signal? What does that look like? To, if you want to show some, your, your husband, your boyfriend, that you appreciate them, that you respect them. And, you know, I learned really quickly with my husband, his name is Jeff, I learned it really didn't work when I would follow him around the house and I would kind of coo, oh, honey, I respect you so much. You know, my poor husband, after a while, he was like, you know, time out. He's like, I really know what you're trying to do and I appreciate it, but it just doesn't have the same ring to it. 
Because, you know, for us as women, I love you says all these different things to us, right? You know, when you hear someone say, I love you, it, it doesn't just say, I have affection for you. It says all these other things too, like, you're mine, and I would choose you all over again. It says all these things. Well, so I've been on a quest since it doesn't work to say, oh, I respect you so much. What is it that you can say to the man in your life that will have that same emotional impact on him as what I love you does for women. I've been on a quest for years and I finally figured it out. When I was doing the research for this book, which was, it's on happy marriages and like what makes, what the happiest couples are doing differently from everybody else. And in the survey for this one, I finally figured out statistically, there's a little phrase that you can say that has that same emotional impact on him that I love you does for women. Can anybody guess what the little phrase is you can tell him? Shout it out. Great job. Who said it? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the little things day to day. I noticed. Thank you for mowing the lawn, even though it was so hot outside. Thank you for, you know, the light bulbs have been burned out in the hallway and it's been driving me bananas. Thank you for changing the light bulbs. Thank you for putting gas in the car. Thank you for... You know, I noticed you were so tired from work and you still took, I saw that you took Johnny out and you played ball in the yard. Thank you, you're such a great dad. Those to a guy, that's like oxygen. I had no idea how important it was to say it. I mean, I live in Georgia. I live in Atlanta. It gets hot. They call it hot Atlanta for a reason. And I'd, I would drive in the driveway and I'd see my husband mowing the lawn in the summer heat. And I would think to myself, oh, that's nice of him. <laughs> you know, I would never think to say thank you. I wouldn't know what a big deal it was. Or I hate to confess this out loud. Or Sometimes I would say, oh, um, thanks for mowing the lawn, but you missed a spot. <laughs> okay? I had no idea that when I point out something that he missed, he didn't do, whatever it is, I'm saying what you did on the outside wasn't good enough. You failed. Now, I promise you, ladies, he will notice that he missed a spot. Guys are very attuned to how they're doing on the outside. And instead, getting into that habit of saying thank you, it can transform the relationship. It's amazing. Now, it's interesting. If you don't believe me, by the way, if you don't believe me on some of what I'm telling you, don't believe me. Just try this. Just try it. And you may see your man light up in ways you haven't seen in years. I, I had one young woman who, who came up to me um, and she, she said the same thing. She's like, you know, I don't think that guys have this vulnerability that you're talking about. They look so cocky. I'm like, that's the surface. It's not on the inside. The inside is this doubt, this vulnerability, this question. She's like, I just don't believe it. I'm like, you know what? Don't believe me. Try it. Same thing. So that night, she goes off to her waitressing job. And, um, and she was a part-time student, part-time waitress. She was probably, you know, 25 years old-ish. And, um, and she, there had been this dynamic at her job where she, she had her eye on this cute waiter named Kyle. Um, and they really hadn't had a whole lot of chance to interact. 
But there had also been this other funky thing that had been happening with the manager of the restaurant. He and Kyle apparently had been having this big personality conflict that had been making it miserable for everybody that worked there and because they'd been clashing. And she watched across the room that night as the manager came over to Kyle and started trying to get into it with him again. And she watched as Kyle said, I'm not going to do this with you, man. I'm just not. This is making it miserable for everybody. We need to be taking this offline. You need call me tomorrow, okay? Let's talk later. And he walked away. And so she, this young woman, goes up to Kyle a minute or two later and says, um, Kyle, I just have to tell you, I saw what you did. He was trying to provoke you, and you wouldn't let him. You know how miserable it's been for us, and you were protecting us. Thank you. You are such a man of honor. Thank you for doing that. And she, said, and she walked away. She told me later, Shanti, he followed me around all night. <laughs> because here was a woman who saw what he did on the outside and noticed it and said it was good. And that is what fills every man up. I can guarantee you, ladies, every single man in this auditorium right now is going, oh, that is what hits them. That's what feels amazing. That is that feeling that is so special. That is what they need because that is what they doubt. I want to be a great husband, but am I? I want to be good at what I do, but am I? I want to be a great dad. Do I have any idea how to be a great dad? I don't know. And so these little things, thanks for taking Johnny out and playing ball. Oh, she thinks I'm a good dad. It's huge, especially since there's so many different parenting styles and women often parent totally differently than men. And sometimes we got to let them. (laughs) Unfortunately, sometimes we have to, you know, do things that are outside our comfort zone. To, to give the kids this ability to have both a dad and a mom and know that they're going to be parented differently. And if we want him to be involved and we want him to be the dad that he wants to be, to let those things happen, even though sometimes it's scary because they're going to parent totally differently. So that's so important to our men. Okay, we need to switch gears. Another thing that's really important to our men we should talk about, this is the Pure Sex series after all, um, This is an area, this area of physical intimacy in marriage. We women have a complete misunderstanding about what physical intimacy means to our husbands. We really do not understand it in the correct way. See, we think of physical intimacy in marriage as being primarily a physical need for him. That's That's kind of the category we put it in. You know, we say it's a physical need, it's a physical urge. And you know, I've got two younger kids and probably like some of you in here, when you've been pulled on by little hands all day, sleep seems like a physical need too. Can I get an amen or something? (laughs) Because truly, that's the kind of that we equate the two. It's a physical need and instead, As I started asking the men, what's the importance of this in your life? Because all my girlfriends were saying, ask them what the importance of this is in their life. What I heard from the men had really nothing to do with the physical, nothing. What I kept hearing from them 
was this enormous emotional need that they couldn't get met any other way. And, and ladies, here's what the, um, what the need is. It's the need that every man has to feel that his wife desires him and that she wants him. And if a man feels that, it gives him this sense of confidence and this, this sense of well-being in all of the other areas of his life. And, and it works the other way, too. If, if he doesn't feel desired, if he feels like it's a little bit too easy for her to say, you know what, honey, I'm just really tired, it almost, it gives him this dragging sense of almost like a depression and a lack of well-being in all the other areas of his life. I mean, what you're hearing there, that really isn't primarily a physical need, is it? There really is this big emotional need that he can't get met any other way. I had, I had one guy who said on the survey, I love this comment, he said, I don't think my wife realizes that, that what happens the night before in the bedroom absolutely impacts how I feel about myself the next day at the office. It's this one-for-one -one relationship, and we don't tend to realize that. I, the funniest thing happens, happened, let me just tell this quick story. Um, the funniest thing happened once when I was, I was at a church that had been doing the four only Bible study, and I came the week after they had just finished the sex subject, and this one young woman came up to me at the book table, and she was probably, you know, mid-late 20s, and she was pushing a little baby and a baby stroller, and she said, you know, thank you so much for coming to speak at this church. She said, my husband is the worship pastor here at the church, and you know, we have this new baby, and there really hadn't been a whole lot of action going on at our house, but you know, we had the formerly Bible study, we, we, saw, you know, we saw the, the whole, that whole sex subject last week, and she said, I realized this is really important to reclaim this part of our life, and so she said, that was a Saturday night, we had a really good night that night, and, um, and she said, next morning, Sunday morning, people were coming up to my husband all morning after church saying, that was the best worship ever. That was amazing. You know, and they're going on and on and on. And she said they would come up to him. He was apparently standing on stage just kind of messing around with his guitar. And every time somebody else came up to say that, he would just look over at her in the front row and say, thank you. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was hysterical. Okay. You know, big picture. Let me wrap this up by saying big picture. There is something very, very important that you need to know above all about the man in your life. Um, the end of the survey, I got my biggest surprise. Um, I asked the men, what's the one most important thing that you wish your wife knew, but you feel you can't explain to her or tell her. And I thought it would be a chance for the men to vent or to give a list, you know, of things that they wish she knew. And instead, I almost started crying when I got the spreadsheets back. The top response by far, when they could say anything, it was a blank space. The one most important thing I wish my wife knew is how much I love her. And I realized that's how our men feel about us ladies. It's so important for us to realize they, they have these feelings for us, and, and it's such a good chance to see this goodwill and have that goodwill back, and to try to learn these things that really will fill our home with these rare and precious treasures. God has given us a lot of power in our hands as women 
to either build our men up or to tear them down. So let's use that power well. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so grateful for a church like this that cares about marriages and relationships and wants to equip us with the knowledge um, to fill our homes with these precious treasures that we all want so much. Lord, I pray for your strengthening um, and your rejuvenating of every marriage represented in this room and every marriage to come. For those here who are in a difficult place, who are struggling, Lord, I pray that they would learn just a, just a few of these little things and try them and see they're not rocket science and see that they can really have hope again, that things can be so much different. And for those who have the wonderful marriages, the ones that we all look up to, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen and equip them to reach out to others. In general, Lord, I just pray you would make this church, the marriages in this church, a light to a watching world. And we thank you. You were so good to do that and to answer our prayers. We ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.